sitting on the porch with Georgie T. Hearing tales of Tennessee. Today's guest to the podcast is an unexpected musical chameleon. His credits as a West End performer, a member of a band, a producer, a songwriter, a manager, a radio host, and a musician and artist in his own right are mind-blowing. This Technicolor dream coat of a CV belongs to the one and only Tim Protty-Jones. Welcome to Tales of Tennessee podcast, Tim. Hi, thank you. What an introduction. Crikey. (laughs) Well, you've been mentioned by pretty much most of my guests so far in one form or another. So I thought it would be perfect (laughs) to actually get you on and and, uh, talk about everything that you do. Amazing. Um, Pleasure. So I've outlined a few of your guises. Can you just start from the beginning and talk us through a little bit of a potted history of sort of how you got into music? Where did it come from? Have you got a musical family? Um, Where did it all begin? Sure. Well, I mean, the, the the reason you're able to list so many things is that I'm quite old. So I've just I've just managed to fit a lot in. <laughs> but um, no, do you know what? Growing up, my parents were both musical. They never pursued it as a career or anything. It was more for um, so my mum was a primary school teacher uh, and she was the she was the lady that played the piano during assemblies and, and this, that and the other. So she she was very good on the piano and she could sing nicely and she could play the flute. Um, but as I say, it was never to a sort of, you know, um, professional standard in as much as she never pursued it. And my dad played uh, the organ. So he very, very Welsh family. Um, so grew up sort of in the chapel and, and uh, could play the organ beautifully and, and could also sing extremely well. Although, again, never pursued it. Did some of the sort of Ice Steadford uh, singing compositions, I think, when he was younger. But um, again, very long time ago and, and way before I, I was around. <laughs> Um, so I grew up around the piano mostly uh, and sort of did piano lessons from about age of seven. Uh, and it, to this day, it's really the only instrument that I've ever really been taught. So everything else that I've taught myself since then has been with the sort of idea and theory that I've learned from the piano. So when I when I picked up the guitar, I essentially treated it like a piano, which was quite odd. So I, I would picture it as a piano. So um I think that's the beauty of the guitar, you know, and 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 you, you can sort of play it in so many different ways. And that's what makes someone have an individual style is, is you know, a lot of guitarists aren't taught. You know, it's sort of like a, a by ear thing or they just hear their favourite artists and and go from there. And that was very much it for me. I sort of I listened to sort of a, a lot of rock music I was into at the time that I picked up the guitar, which I think is probably quite standard. <laughs> and um from there, I just wanted to learn more and more stuff. So I taught myself the drums um, and, again, ended up using the guitar as sort of like a drum as well. So I was, it was quite rhythmical sort of stuff. Um, I wasn't one of those people that locked myself in my bedroom and just learned guitar solos, you know, day in, day out. Um, I, I wanted to use it very much as a sort of rhythmical instrument. And, um, yeah, that's kind of where that came from. And singing was actually the last thing that came to me um, it, to the point of, when I was doing my piano exams growing up, which I hated, by the way, it was the worst thing I'd ever done. But I'm so glad for the knowledge I've gained from it. But I absolutely hated it. Um, you have to sing. So you have to like a theory part of the exams where you have to sing notes back to the examiner and your teacher and whatever. And I just wouldn't do it. I, I, I just refused to sing every time um, to the point of I had to get like special um, <laughs> special conversation to say that I'd be humming uh, instead of singing. <laughs> I was so shy about singing. And then, it, you know, it wasn't until I was about 19 where I really thought I'm going to give it a go. And even then I just locked myself in my university bedroom and just tried to sing, you know, ridiculously high notes. That that was kind of my idea of what singing was at that time. Um, I've slightly learned that it's more than that now, which is good. But um, so, yeah, that was kind of that took me up to studying a music degree, which is what I did. Um focus sort of primarily as a drummer actually and then sort of as I went through the years there I sort of transitioned into really focusing on songwriting and performance uh just they're, they're my two favorite things almost regardless of what instrument I'm playing or whatever I just love both of those things and I've just been in bands all my life um you know and and they've varied you know I've done I've done country stuff straight out of university as a session player I've done rock stuff and metal stuff growing up uh, and in my twenties as well, I've done uh, funk and soul stuff with a big nine-piece band. Uh, then I did 
then I was the lead singer of like a I don't know progressive jazz that it was I mean it's just ridiculous really I don't <laughs> I don't really know well I don't know what I was thinking quite honestly and um but country is the sort of one constant thing that has always followed me around in a way it's, mm. it was the music I listened to when I was really young sort of around the house it was always kind of on in the background over Sunday lunch or whatever um and as I say I sort of I, I almost fell into session playing straight out of university and that was predominantly all country stuff, which I loved. Got to, you know, uh, gig and do a lot of studio sessions with great people like Albert Lee and stuff and got to travel a bit with it. And and that was that was amazing fun. And then it sort of did full circle when, as you say, I did I did some West End shows, which uh, an amazing experience. And I did some incredible stuff. I met some amazing people. But I always had this sort of constant urge to, to be in a band and creating music rather than you know showing up every day and singing someone else's which is totally fine to do it just there was always just that thing lacking for me so um it was at that point that I formed um the wandering hearts which was whilst I was in a show and it just worked out really well timing wise I came to the end of my first year of um show called kinky boots um which was a lot of fun and then when it came to whether I was going to stay on for another year or not the band were at a position where we were about to sign uh, our record deal with Decca. So I just mm. said, thank you so much. I've had a great year. I'm going to pursue my first love, which is, you know, uh, bands, country music, music industry stuff. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what I've been doing ever since, you know, even since the band and I've been able to produce and write for a lot of other people as well, which, which I also love. It's nice to just get that diversity into everything I do, but, I think that covers most things. <laughs> I think I think you've uh, worked down several of my questions there, Tim. Thank you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's great. Um, very quickly, can you just outline what a session player is for people that don't know a lot about the, oh, about of the industry? Absolutely. Well, I, I think they've almost changed a lot over the years and they, they go through phases of where nobody uses them to everyone uses them. They're basically hired hands. So uh, for me now as a solo artist... To play a live gig, I will essentially either need to form a band of like-minded people who are just happy to do it for the fun of being in a band, which is how I started out and how most people start out. But um, there comes a point where, you know, you need to be paid for your work. And um, so a session player is essentially a, hire, a hired musician um, to fulfil, you know, either guitar, drum duties, whatever. Um, so I obviously will need to uh, surround myself with session players to put my new music uh on stage and yeah. and in a live performance basically so okay perfect thank you very much um and obviously so you've mentioned mentioned the wandering hearts um yeah what what kind of made you feel band life wasn't for you at the stage when you you know you parted ways with the wandering hearts obviously you've got a young family now yeah. I'm I'm assuming I don't know but I'm assuming that that sort of played a role a role in it because it's you know, I can, it's a big commitment being in a in a successful band and you're touring and this, that, and the other. Sure, I mean, I've I've not really talked about about it to be honest, but no, I can I can honestly say that the 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 family life uh, played no part in okay. in in that in that decision. And yes, I do have a young family, which I'm massively grateful for, and and you know, I, it it was a long time coming, and in in a way without going into too much detail yeah, no, 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 that, that, that should have that should have come way before I, I pursued the band you know but you know so, some things are against you in life and never <laughs> works out family was one of them. right yeah but um no I I many people before me have had successful music careers and bands whilst having a family and that's what I wanted as well I'm I still love being in bands and you know that's why I'm I surround myself on a daily basis with other musicians and other people because I think it's such a collaborative experience. Mm. And why would you only want to experience it by yourself when you can share that? You know, one of my biggest passions and joys genuinely is being able to give other people work. And I know that's a really odd thing to say, but it's the sort of thing that I would have wanted many years ago when I was starting out is for someone to go, Oh, you're quite good at that. I want to pay you to do that. Yeah. You know, and I'm in a position now where I can, because I'm producing other people, I can go, well, I know the perfect player for this song. 
and I and I can give them work and and especially over this last year you know I, I've I've made new friends even though I've never met half of them because we're not allowed out of our houses yeah. I've I've met new people new musicians who I cannot wait to meet and play alongside essentially when when things open up and um so I've sort of veered off the subject a little bit but I am more than open to to bands and you know performing touring whatever with with other people mm. and and having a family is is no no sort of hindrance to that at all no great so we first met I think it was when you were managing remember Monday and I was looking to book them for what was Dixie Fields at sure, that stage yeah. um how, how did that happen? Obviously, they, they've got a very West End background, the three girls. Um, is that how you met them or how did you come across them? So I I never met them during my time in theatre at all, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I remember correctly, and I, I believe we have a, a mutual friend, basically. I think he, he messaged me on Facebook just saying, I've got a friend who's in a band. They're really good. Um, we just like it. If you, I think it was just a case of, would you, would you listen to their music and see what you think? Um, which of course I did and, and was just really impressed by primarily the harmonies and stuff because they're obviously incredible. Yeah. Um, and so then I was then put in touch with Lauren, I believe. And then we just, we just went from there and it was, you know, I, I, you, I use management in the loosest sense of the word because I, I'm very happy self-managing myself. Um, and you know, getting things for myself and scrapping for, for things and I I don't know if I've got the time or headspace to be able to do that for other people really but I was more than happy to essentially utilize my contacts that I've made and found to help them get shows primarily but I, the relationship really started with me producing their stuff so that was way before any sort of mentoring happened right. uh, so yeah so I produced I'm trying to think the first their first three singles as Remember Monday because they were called Houston beforehand. And yeah, so I did their first three singles and then it, it just became a, a sort of, I think it was just like a one year thing where I, I helped them with finding gigs and stuff. But again, you know, th- their lives are, are, are crazy busy because of mm-hmm. theatre um, and it, and so sort of, you almost can't plan when you're in that world because you just don't know where you're going to be at any one time. And they happen to be very successful in theatre as well. <laughs> so you know, and they're they're off getting like really great jobs. Um, and I think, I hope this last year, I, I believe, has given them some time to to actually get back to writing new stuff. And mm. hopefully, they'll be raring to go as well in the meet uh, when we're able to. Yeah. So you you introduced me um, or us to Vicky Mansa as well in yeah. our Christmas special, who is yeah. also involved in the West End what yeah. is it why are all these West End people doing country music is has that always been a thing or is that something that's kind of just developing naturally because the genre is growing or or what have you do you know what I I think I think it's one of the I I actually liken the two genres quite a lot the musical theatre lot and the and the country scene I think the fan bases of both are extremely dedicated and very passionate about it and I think that the the element of storytelling in both is really strong. And and I also think country music isn't afraid to show off their voices and their talents. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I think whereas, you know, the vocal range of a lot of pop music now is reduced to about five notes, mm. you know. And don't get me wrong, I, I love pop music, I, you know, still. But there's a lot of people out there who have an extraordinary gift to, to be able to sing in certain ways and I think country almost allows them to do that you know you have your people like Carrie Underwood who you know you can put on any theatrical stage and she would absolutely sing the heck out of anything um, and convey a story because she just got one of those voices and I think that's just the unifying factor I think it's telling stories and and not being afraid to to show off your vocal abilities and and musical abilities you know and I I I mean I I agree is it from a listener's point of view yeah, I love I love music from the musicals, and right. obviously I love country music. And again, it is very much the escapism of being able to get swallowed up in that story that they're telling, um, as well as listening to somebody yeah. that's clearly got an immense amount of talent to be able to to get lost in those stories told in sure. such a way by other people. Um, I think you're right. You know, there is a lot of crossover. Yeah, crossover there. I, I absolutely do, and I, I think it's almost made it. I think it just needs a few people to really stand up and just go, 
I'm passionate about country music. I always have been. And I know there are people out there who go, oh, they're not real country fans because they came from a theatre background. A theatre background that means you perform eight shows a week are A, really talented, trained, like vocally stable to be able to perform that many times a week, gigging experience, live experience, experience with crowds, experience with people. It's invaluable stuff that you can put into any genre. And, you know, if if they're all like me, country music came way before anything musical theatre related. It's it's just as performers and creatives, you just you try different things. Of course you do. And if you're able to get paid a good amount of money to perform every night, why would you not do it? (laughs) Well, I think, you know, it just comes with the whole being a performer. When you are a performer, you are showcasing something to other people aren't you and that's of just course. the nature the nature of what it is so um, when you've got a talent like being able to sing a, you know a musical talent then that's what you're using to convey mm. convey that message Absolutely. Um, so my next my next question was you write songs you produce songs you play songs you sing songs <laughs> what is most dear to you I'm guessing you know you've almost answered that so sort of the songwriting Sorry. Yeah, I, I think there's there's different kind of buzzes for me. And I, I think being there at the very beginning of a process is really exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the sort of creating of a song. So that, that sort of ticks the writing box because you're there in the room where it happens at the beginning. Producing someone else's stuff is really interesting because obviously it depends on the artist, but you're, you're almost able to put your production stamp on, on someone else's stuff. And not in a sort of arrogant way. It's just usually that person has come to you for a reason because they've heard something you've done and and have enjoyed, you know, and I'm not going to say all producers, but certain producers are, they they have a particular niche and that niche is not going to suit everyone. You you could put me in the room with someone who, when we just don't gel in that way because my production technique or, or whatever just isn't suited to what they're doing. But, if you find that right artist that sort of is open to your suggestions or, you know, fits into the mold that, you know, the way I produce is, then 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 great. And you can really produce something quite magical, I think. But it's also good to meet uh, artists that make you push your boundaries as a producer too. But that being said, performing for me is just, it's when I'm at my most free and most comfortable, I think. Mm-hmm which is really strange because I'm, a, I'm quite an awkward person <laughs> and um, the sort of self-conscious aspects of stuff. And I think, I think it's different when you're in a band to when you're solo as well. So I felt very comfortable being in a band and being on stage. I, I, you know, I forgot about everything that was troubling me, that was making me feel anxious or whatever and could just l- let go. And I, I've, because I've not done yet a full band gig of all my new solo stuff, I can only assume it's going to feel the same way being up on stage with other people. But it's um, I'm really excited by it because there's no buzz like playing live and having yeah. a crowd. Well, I mean, you've got your buddies there, haven't you? When you've got your band um, or your bandmates, yeah. you've got your buddies, they've got your back, you've got theirs. It's it's yeah. the camaraderie as well, I guess, isn't it? Absolutely, of course. And, you, yeah. you know, you can get that with session players as well because... Yeah. I've got, I've got my band all lined up which is really exciting we're all ready to go and you know they're people that I really trust but also they don't have to worry about the the daily grind of being the artist you know that they're, they're essentially there to to play a role and to play extremely well um and hopefully enjoy themselves and I think they will but they don't they don't have this sort of everyday grind of of I've got what shall I post today? I need to I need to engage people. I need to ask them a question. I need to tell them something about me. Yeah. I need to sell them something, you know. And that's you know, that's the stuff that can really get you down. Yeah. Um, I think when it just feels like you're a walking shop, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and when and when you are on your own and and from my point of view, doing all the festival stuff, mm. yes, I've got lots of people I can I can ring up and go, oh look, I'm really stuck. Can you help mm. me? And that's absolutely invaluable but a lot of the time it is just me and I'm thinking Mm -hmm. oh god what can I say what can I say today that hasn't been said already and you don't really have any particular news so it's sort of weighing up that that option do you say something actually do you just 
back off for a little while till you do have something <laughs> constructive to say. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And it is it is a pressure, and and it's a sort of a constant pressure to be creative when mm. creativeness doesn't always come. You know, sometimes, of course, and you, and you can't force it because then it's not true to you and it's not the true message that you're trying to to get out there so yeah 100% hear what you're saying with that one with ducking back a bit to talking about the producing mm-hmm. are you quite picky about the people that you work with you know if somebody sends you a demo do you make sure that you speak to that person and actually have a conversation with the person first to find out what exactly they're they're after because I'm guessing that like you say that personal connection has a huge a huge amount to of course it does, huge yeah. part to play it really does and um what i would say is is I, i've done it because i've done this producing stuff for so long and and probably way before i mean way before the band was was formed for instance but i, I did it on slightly different level in as much as it was more of a, a commercial facing business where i would turn budding songwriters ideas into fully produced tracks so I would I would honestly say, like, hands in the air, I don't really get to know them as people or as artists because a lot of them aren't artists. They are people with, a, with a, like, a, a lovely dream of they just want to own some of their music on a CD, for instance, yeah. you know. Okay. And that's actually a really lovely service to provide someone because it's gone from their head and maybe they aren't able to play guitar or sing overly well, so they'll turn, like, a a very rough, uh, in some cases, voice note. And I'll work to that and make it into hopefully something quite impressive. So that that was kind of how this production stuff started out. And then obviously, as I met more and more people doing a similar thing to what I was doing from an artist perspective, when I was in the band, it was a, it was very much a case of studio days were, were very focused on obviously laying down all the music as much as possible before the vocals were done. Mm. And that was kind of, that felt like that was kind of my time a little bit. You know, I, I'd sort of go in and do guitars and then I'd go and do drums. Then I'd go and play some bass or some percussion or whatever, or some piano. And it was, that that's my idea of heaven, by the way, is having is doing that. And then the vocals would come last. And it's like, well, if I can do that for the band I'm in, surely I can do that for other people as well um, in, in a similar setting. So, but you have to know what they're, what they're hearing in their head really and that's the hardest thing is to try and get people to describe or show you what they're thinking and you know you can go down the slightly lazy route of just going well do you have any reference tracks is there a song or an artist that you really like that you vaguely hear your music in the same lane as and the last thing you want to do is copy it but it does help it really does help if they if they say well yeah i i I believe I sound like the UK version of Taylor Swift, for instance, you sort of go, okay, well, I know where you're sort of heading. Yeah. Um, and then that's when you sort of make little discoveries, I think, when you're when you're sort of really listening to something like Taylor Swift and you hear all like the little production elements and you go, well, you can achieve some of that stuff with live instrumentation rather than, you know, programming things. And I think it might have a little bit more impact and make it a little bit more musical, dare I say. And I think, that's kind of where I come from. I try and make things musical rather than just noises. Yeah. <laughs> that's, re- that's really technical, isn't it? And um, uh, so that, but, but that has to come from the artist. They have to go, yes, that's what I want. So yeah. it's just a case of sending them constant progress. And more often than not, I'm, I'm recording and producing stuff remotely. So I'm doing it from home, essentially. Um, and that really just cuts the cost of hiring studios for people. Yeah. So a lot of the time I'm not always in the room with the artist until later on when it comes to like vocals and stuff. Um, but there's a constant dialogue, you know. Well, I think you've got you've got to, to have that starting point, haven't you? Mm. Um, and once cool. you've got that, then it's a whole lot easier to to, to tweak things. So if mm-hmm. they say, you know, I think I sound like a UK version of Taylor Swift, then you can go, right, okay, well, let's let's sort of implement that to start with. Mm-hmm. And then once you've done that, they might go, oh no, but that's not quite, that's not quite right. So I guess it's like with, when you're planning anything for somebody else, mm-hmm. because it's not actually your feelings, it's not your aim and your um, your yeah. vision. You've got to have something to, something to Absolutely. start Absolutely. And so, actually I think, you know, nine times out of 10, that initial 
gut re- gut instinct for me of of how their music should sound in a way is is usually right and and again that's not from an arrogant point of view it's just because the artist the artist can be so subjective when it's not them doing that to their song yeah um and that's why again why I use session musicians even now to a certain degree when if if I'm working on a song where I go well I could play a guitar part and listen back and go oh, I'm just not happy with it I could give it to someone else to play exactly the same thing and I'd be like, yeah, that's the one. That's mm. the one I'm going to use. And it's just because I haven't played it. And I know I can just think about it as, as like a, a piece of audio. It's not yes. a case of, oh, I didn't like what I did there. Oh, I remember when I recorded that and I dropped my pick or whatever. Yeah. It, you know, no one's going to know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the only way I can really settle on being happy with stuff is, is often if, is if I use other people for particular things that I think will get the job done really yeah yeah so we've come smoothly on to the next question which is (laughs) just going to your your musical abilities is there anything is there an instrument that you haven't yet tried that is on your on your hit list do you know what I I I will honestly say I believe I'm too old to learn a new instrument now I I haven't got the patience (laughs) (laughs) I think if I was going to do it, I should have done it when I was younger. Um, always wanted to play the cello, mm. like, really well. I sort of, I've attempted it on a number of occasions and I've actually recorded it a few times, but it's never been pretty. And it's string, you know, string instruments I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at home with. I, I sort of, I understand how they work and, you know, I know what the notes are, for instance. So that's, that's a case of looking at the technique of it all. But anything that is blown... <laughs> I can't do and have no intention of learning it. Um it's all very impressive but it's just not it's not something that's really ever I don't know it's just never really motivated me to learn it for some reason. Um and again I've I tended to pick up instruments that you can write on. Yeah. Um and I just feel like if I was a professional tuba player it's not going to <laughs> probably result in a really good commercial pop song <laughs> you you might be right but um i'd you be interested to, interested to hear the result anyway yeah um, absolutely. <laughs> and, and what about your little boy Bryn? have you started teaching him any instruments is he does he have a musical tendency he um i mean he loves hitting things so he's got drumsticks that he um abuses my legs and the <laughs> sofa with um he's got his own little sort of plastic um blue plastic drumsticks that he tends to avoid and just uses my full length wooden drumsticks that really hurt so he he walks around the house hitting that he's got his own little keyboard that he dances to and and plays along um he loves the main piano um I don't know if you could see it but it's just behind me there and um he he just he he just likes sitting at the piano and 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 playing stuff and he also uh loves strumming my strings when I'm playing the guitar um at the moment, I don't think he's got the attention span uh, to learn anything, um, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to force it, but um, he's definitely getting into singing at the moment, though. That's um, that's something that I, I really, I really hope that he he does sing and and can sing, and and it, it's something I wish I'd embraced a lot earlier in life. I think, yeah. So I, I'm hoping that's something that he will continue yeah. to do. I mean, moving on to your singing you sing a huge range of different styles I mean you did that cover was it a heavy metal heavy metal cover of Diane I mean how do you how do you learn these styles is that something you've been taught when you did your musical degree or is that just literally from listening from you you know self-teaching it's it's all self-taught that is and and probably you know to the to the to the point of it's probably completely unsafe to sing in that way um when you haven't been taught properly but no I've never been taught singing um it was very much a case of just locking myself away and and trying stuff um and I've sort of grown up because I've been recording myself ever since I sort of left university uh well it started at university I, I guess but because I've been recording myself I kind of learned how to sing by recording if that makes sense rather than getting out there on stage and and or actually no, rather than going to like a rehearsals or to a singing lesson or whatever, it was very much a case of 
uh, locking myself away and, and recording myself singing and listening back and going, oh, that's odd. I'm really like distorting particular vowels and stuff. And it's almost, you almost can't understand what I'm singing, you know. And mm. I, was, I was very bad with diction when I started. Um, and I guess it's just a style of singing th- at the time, maybe, where it just wasn't overly pronounced or clear. And um, and again, because I never, because musical theatre wasn't really on the cards at that point. I didn't train theatrically, for instance, which obviously you get very good and very detailed vocal tuition um, when you study musical theatre or whatever. And I didn't have all of that. And and obviously going into musical theatre at, at an older age, I, I really worried that I just wouldn't be able to keep up. But um, on the whole, I think if, if you're if you're in the right show for you, you can you can do it and, and hang with the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously. Um... this podcast is looking at the different roles in the music industry but it's also looking at Nashville Tennessee Mm -hmm. the the country music links and what have you what what was your first experience of of Nashville do you remember when you sort of first discovered that there was a a music city and you know this is the place that everyone everyone kind of flocked to yeah so I think my my relationship with Nashville started probably about I don't know just under 20 years ago maybe where I really became aware of it and um again it was it was probably during my time where I was doing a lot of session work um and realizing that a lot of these people that I ended up on recordings with for instance were either based out there or had talked about it so much you know and it just sounded like this magical place and actually I never got to go there um once whilst I was doing the session stuff but when it came to really pursuing it as in when I started the band that was always my goal was to to go there to play there and I, and I, I told myself this and everyone people who know me know that I've said this I didn't want to go to Nashville unless I was being essentially paid to go there I, mm. I wanted I wanted to go there for work you know and I wanted that to be the reason I went rather than you know just walking around going from bar to bar going oh, I wish I could be doing that I wish that was me I wish I was doing that um and and I'm not really that person where I sort of look at someone else and go oh I'm really jealous of what they're doing I you know I, I I'm I think very supportive of of everyone doing great stuff but for that I really wanted to be there for work and that was my first experience at Nashville going there was we went there not only for work but for essentially the trip of a lifetime really I think that the stuff we did in those two weeks for our first trip to Nashville was I've said it before loads of times it was bucket list stuff for me it was um the day after we landed we played the Ryman Auditorium which was the the most incredible natural acoustic of a room I think I've ever sung in performed in um and that, that I can't, I honestly can't describe that trip really, but especially that night. And, and I think when you're sharing a bill with like Marty Stewart and Chris Stapleton and you're in a dressing room next to Chris Stapleton and you're just sort of hanging out with him and talking about stuff, that was, that was crazy. That was absolutely Amazing. crazy. And it, I can talk about it now and, and feel like it wasn't actually me there because it, it feels like so um, out of body, you know, but um so that was that was literally our our first proper night and day in in Nashville was, what an was the Ryman. I know, I know. And then I believe it's I think it was probably like the following day, or we maybe I know we did TV the following morning or something. And then then we did CMA Fest, uh, which was amazing. Like so many people. I think someone said that they have like a hundred thousand people descending on the city. So basically, a lot of the Nashville. Uh, natives will leave Nashville during that week I think. yeah <laughs> um and so that was just crazy and then we followed that up in the same evening with our Opry debut um wow which was again absolute bucket list stuff um everything the way you're treated the, the debut uh, artist dressing room and everything was just incredible um yeah th- there was there was really no feeling like it and then actually to to, to have played the Opry and then to be invited back a week later was crazy because doing it once is nuts. <laughs> but then going back and, and getting to do it 
all over again and 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 you know doing different songs for instance mm. you know it's um it's 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 nuts and the audience were obviously so grateful that they were there anyway because it's such a big deal to people as it obviously as it was to us um so that was just wonderful and then things like playing at the uh bluebird cafe was just you know it's such a sort of it's almost like the direct opposite of a gig to to like the opry or to the ryman or whatever it's so intimate and quiet and actually i think it really suited us to be honest you know with all the the harmony stuff yeah. that we were doing um and we were there with our good friend jeff cohen who, who looked after us beautifully he looked after us the whole time actually he was, he was amazing and um and then we took a trip with Marty Stewart's band to Memphis um, to go and play at the Graceland Guest House, which is literally right next door to the to Graceland, uh, uh, you know, Elvis's house. So we did the we did a gig there, which was awesome. And then we did the full tour of Graceland, which was generally one of my favourite things of the whole trip. To be honest with you, it was it was strange that it was Elvis's property and this, that, and the other, but actually. Was quite humble in a way I, I you know it's it's a big house of course but it's not it's almost not over the top apart from his garden room <laughs> it's uh the, the jungle room even it's it was just quite a humble place to be and I think you sort of learn about all the work that he did and all the charity stuff he did and how much money he raised for certain things and you just go just seems like a really nice guy <laughs> yeah um so that that was a great trip and we we, we then looked at things like uh sun studios and stacks um you know and they're two places that i actually studied when i was at university for instance so again to, to go there and for the history that that there is in in those recording studios was um really enlightening like you can learn a lot just from doing those sorts of things so yeah that that trip was unbelievable it was um one of the best things Perfect. i've ever done i think musically for sure yeah absolutely and did you did you take time to just go and you know go to the bars on on Broadway. yeah yeah we we did and the sort of tourist thing at, to a certain degree yes but actually it was what I really loved personally and and I I loved going around some of the other the other roads the other streets you know in in, in the sort of residential areas as well um and and just seeing like the little rows of shops and bars and and coffee shops and stuff that you can get there and again knowing people that live there is really useful because they they can show you all those little gems that are sort of slightly off the sort of main stretch of Broadway and whatever. And that was great. And then actually when we went back to, sorry, when we went back to Nashville a couple of months later, we, we were staying in quite a different area. So we were, we were East near like fight um, and they're like all the pizza places and stuff. And that was, that was a very different vibe. You know, East Nashville has just got this really sort of lively young, yeah. um, you know vibey sort of feel to it and it was it was brilliant to see like sort of the other side you know and um i, I i'm i really want to go back and I, I do intend on going back as soon as as soon as possible really um yeah. to do some writing and um i'm really torn as to where <laughs> where i want to stay <laughs> yeah and what do, what is it you think that makes it such a magical place for for musicians do you know what the, the, the main thing that hit me was a i mean that you've probably heard this loads a how many people are musicians there you know everyone you encounter probably is related to music in some way you know your uber drivers your yeah. your, your barmen your bar women your baristas everyone i i just think is just in in their blood it's probably the reason most of them are there you know yeah um and also as a sort of obvious as it sounds just seeing people playing in you know what what down broadway and there's there's a band in every single bar um you know right in the window um and and i think the majority of them probably happy to play for tips but I, I reckon you can probably get a good a good wage out of that which is which is amazing to so to see to see these artists and musicians being instantly rewarded for what they do i think is really really comforting to know um and the talent and their knowledge of of what they're doing like they're sort of you know, people can just throw a song at them and they're just instantly playing it and I, I think that's really impressive and really exciting to be around and it's sort of it's something I'd like to be around more I think 
and I think it's such a shame that that we don't really have anywhere like that in London, where I, where I live, for instance. Um, and I just think there's such a need for it and such a call for mm. it to uh, to have gigging working musicians being paid for what they do rather than relying on you know Spotify alone, which yeah. which gets you next to nothing. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really good good point you just raised. Actually, the just their sheer ability and and flexibility to play mm-hmm. a song that they've probably never played before mm-hmm. and and somebody's like you say just thrown it at them and said oh can you play that mm-hmm. and they're like oh yeah okay it's kind of like musical acrobatics I guess um, of course it is. yeah, you know, yeah. It, for, for somebody like me who's not talented in that way at all it's mind-boggling basically mm-hmm. <laughs> how they how they can do that and it but is you know what? I, I, it's like that for a lot of for the majority of musicians would, would feel the same way that you do as mm. well it, it is it's extraordinary it's like a, an encyclopedia of, of yeah. music and um you know it's not always just country either they're being thrown all sorts yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> they're able to do it it's quite wonderful yeah absolutely so do you have any sort of top tips on for, for somebody that's never been to Nashville before they're going to go there it's their first trip they want to make sure they are getting absolutely the best out of it where would you recommend that they go obviously there's the Opry and the Ryman and, and things like that yeah obviously if you can see shows there amazing same with the bluebird if you can catch a show there i know how difficult they can be but there's there's so many bars um playing you know great great music we had we had a couple of great nights at the basement um and the basement east as well i know obviously that got um uh sadly very badly damaged but um i i believe i think it's on it's on its way up again mm. um so i'm hoping that that's all good to go but venues like that are just amazing um the gulch as an area is just beautiful like restaurants and bars and um again there's just creative people just everywhere <laughs> you yeah. can't really miss them i and and as i said before some of the resident residential areas and you know around belmont the you know around the university bit um we we actually loved it there um i was lucky enough to go with my wife when while she was fairly heavily pregnant <laughs> um and we 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 had some time there by ourselves which was just wonderful and we just walked around like belmont and all the surrounding areas and all the residential streets and you see some real gems and i think um that compared to you know that for a daytime is terrific and then your night times you know just go and see as much live music as you can because there's so much and there's also great food for which i can thank jeff cohen for because he knows every single eatery uh, in Nashville, I think. <laughs> yeah. Can you remember the names of any of, of the particularly good ones? Oh, now you're asking. I'm so, I'm, I mean, I'm terrible with names, full stop. There's D- Dino's or Dino's. I'm not quite sure how you say it, but that's quite like a, it was one of the venues they used for Americana Fest uh, when right. we were there in the September. Um, and they did, you know, it's quite sort of, dark and a bit sort of dingy in the nicest of ways but um their their food was terrific it was you know proper burgers and bacon and pancakes and this sort of stuff but it was so good and they had some music going on in the back there as well sort of outside which was great I saw uh, Yola playing there um and that was that was amazing so I love that and then you've got all your five points pizzas and stuff obviously um and you know everyone talks about it, but there's a reason everyone talks about it. It's because it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um, I I need to. I'm trying to remember the one in the Gulch that was amazing. There was a massive queue for it, but it was worth it. I need to look that up. But it, it it's amazing. I might yeah. I might have to look that up now. Is that bad? No, that's fine. <laughs> Kick on. So, do you have a top US artist to watch? you know whether it's an unexposed artist or somebody who is just kind of coming onto the scene that you think is going to really kind of blow up over the next next few years um so i'm trying to think who i'm listening to at the moment i can't get enough of carly pierce's uh new ep um i know she's not new especially but um i think it's wonderful i think 29 is brilliant i think it's produced beautifully if anyone can um, listen to that song without crying then they're not human i know right it's not <laughs> it's not easy <laughs> um who else do i like i like sasha she's canadian she was just recently featured on chris country as like the uh artist of the week um she's brilliant okay uh Raina roberts i love really sort of 
rocky, rocky country sound. Um, she's great. Who else do I like? Who else do I like? I need to go through all my Spotify playlists and see which ones I keep liking. Um, I think that's, that's great. I don't there. think I've heard. There's, um, yeah, there's three there. They're, they're, yeah, Raina Roberts and Sasha. Yeah. Which actually brings me nicely onto the next question, which is all about your uh, your show on Chris Country. Obviously, you present yes. the homegrown show. How did that come about? How's it going? Is this your first sort of um, foray into into radio presenting? Yeah, it was. It was such a welcome thing to come around actually because i i've always wanted to do radio um uh, i enjoy talking sometimes and uh, <laughs> um it was it came about from a sort of conversation with countryline actually who who obviously um acquired chris country radio um fairly recently and they were looking to do like this uk music segment and um i think they just thought that you know, because I've because I've been writing with so many different people and producing different artists, and and I'm an artist myself. They, I think they thought I had my sort of finger on the pulse a little bit, mm. which was nice. And um, and I, I I get sent a lot of music anyway through through my production stuff, and just generally, or oh, would you listen to this and see what you think? Um, and I think they just sort of wanted to make use of that and make it a little bit more official. <laughs> so right. yeah, homegrown came about, which is. I absolutely love it. It's every Wednesday night at eight, and it is really quite simply just an hour of of UK country music, or as closely related to country as I can get it. And um, it, it's it's sort of mind blowing, really, how much a how much stuff I'm being sent on a weekly basis. You kind of think you have got the finger on the pulse to a certain degree, but then you, you're constantly receiving things from people you've never heard of, and it's so easy to get caught up in um, oh well. I don't follow them on on Instagram, so they're mm. probably not very good. You know, <laughs> it just yeah. feels like that. But then you go, there's so many artists, and particularly I think in country, where social media just isn't their thing. They just yeah. it doesn't it doesn't really it's not on their radar yeah. to become a massive influencer type musician on on Instagram. It, mm. it just doesn't matter to them. So you know, a lot of these people are gigging far more than than many people in the genre um and and they're just more than happy to to be doing it that way mm. and the quality of it you know you've got these pedal steel players and these fiddle players and you just go how have we never heard of you yeah. it's it's unbelievable um so that that's like a real joy every week is to sort of go through the inbox and find you know new artists and 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 stuff and then now it's a case of people coming to us saying would you would you have our first exclusive play of the new single and stuff? And you know, like, absolutely. Like, what what a what a perfect show for that. I think yeah. as well. Um, and I, again, I've said this before. I I absolutely love my show, and I think because I'm so passionate about UK artists and and country music, my my goal really is to have the very best stuff that I feature featured on on other shows. You know, they need to sit alongside the likes of Cam and Carly Pierce and Luke Combs, because I think our best country music is, is up there with the best of, of American country music or Canadian or whatever. And I think, yes, we've got a lot smaller pool to work from. Of course we have, but I think there are some people in, in, in our scene that are such hard workers mm. um, and need that break. And, you know, don't get me wrong, having a play on homegrown for, for, for the majority of people is, is an absolute win and a massive success. And it is. It's amazing. Like, I, I still don't get tired of, saying, of hearing someone go, we're going to play you on our station or we're going to play you on our show or whatever. It's an amazing feeling. But what you need and to make this viable for artists in our country is to get constant rotational plays mm. um, across radio. We obviously need to be featured on TV in some way. Um, that's not really happening, to be honest, at the moment. And it just needs to, yeah, it needs to start soon. <laughs> we almost need to highlight the artists um, that need to be featured and think and just go for it. There's obviously, you know, I only very lightly dip my toe into the the pool of artists that we've we've sure. got in the UK, both with the festival and obviously with with my radio, Chelmsford yeah. Show. And we have got so many 
artists and actually I'm a director for the BCMA the British Country Music Association mm-hmm. there's so many talented artists so it's trying to help all of them showcase their their music to the best of their ability because I know I've experienced with you know applications for the festival for example people will just send you over a link and you're trying to like dig through lots of other links to actually get to the music that you want to hear and then you know it is just a voice note or something which yes it's their song and it's their music but when it is alongside properly produced really top quality tracks there is no you know there's no comparison and you can't totally agree side to side so it's we're having to try and empower all these younger artists that are Mm -hmm. coming through to to know that they can come to somebody like you and get a properly produced track on something and then they've got Mm -hmm. so much more chance of having the exposure that they want because they've got the talent it's just educating them about the process and about how you go about getting that to a level that it is equal to the likes of Cam and and and, and people like that. I, I totally agree and and I'm I'm having to turn away really good songs quite often mm. because essentially the audio quality is just not good enough or it's hard because I would love to be that person that basically spells it out to people on a, on like a, a help sheet or something and go, if you want to be taken seriously, if you want to get plays, if you want to do this, do this, 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 you know, I, I don't know everything. Of course I don't, but I'd love to help those people. My, my, only concern with that is because I'm essentially then trying to push them towards having the music recorded properly. I don't want it to just look like I'm getting people to come yes. to me so I can work no, produce absolutely. their music because that's generally not what I'm doing. I just want people to sell their music in the best way that they possibly can. Um, and you're right, audio quality is one thing, but actually, little stuff like linking people to things. I get emails just going, Hi, will you play our brand new single on your show? And that's it. I, yeah. There's not even a, the song's not even on the email. Yeah, yeah. Or or they send you a streaming link, and I'm like, that's great, but I don't have the track to be able to play. I've then got to get back to you. I'm all right. I don't get you know thousands and thousands of of emails. But if you know Radio Two, for instance, yeah, if you sent it to them, they're not even going to bother replying no. because they just need everything in front of them. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's that's stuff that artists can do themselves, for sure. Well, and I think that that is something that we're really trying to push with the BCMA is Mm. to kind of collate all of these tools for artists. So even if it's not us providing it ourselves, it's having Mm. somewhere that they can go when they don't know how to write a press release or something. Well, here you go. Here's a link to a useful webinar on writing a press release or, you know, whatever it might be. So we're definitely... I think the industry as a whole is is progressing hugely mm. in that in that respect and making everything a lot more professional and then it will sure. get taken more seriously and and you know you've got great artists like Megan O'Neill obviously she's over in Ireland mm. but she's just had her song um on Firefly Lane which was obviously on Netflix which is yeah. which is great so things like all of those little things we are you know I think we're we're, we're getting there um right. aren't we and and things like Absolutely. the homegrown show which is really highlighting uk music um mm-hmm. so i think that's so important because there's a tendency that you just and i do it i do it myself that's kind of what got me into country music is american country music mm-hmm. and course, it was yeah. that sort of aspirational i want to be going and sitting on the back of a truck in the middle of a yeah. in the middle of nowhere um <laughs> or around a campfire or what have you yeah of um, course so it's uh no i think it's it's brilliant and it's a a, a really great show to to have for all of all of uk country country music so do you have a uk country artist to watch out or like somebody who's a bit unexposed that you've just discovered and you think wow they're they're brilliant they're going to go places yeah i mean again it it almost seems unfair to only highlight a few to be honest because i'm i'm just seeing people all the time that that blow me away i think matt hodges is doing amazingly well he he um he just got number one in the iTunes country chart last week and he, he's great but but he sounds he sounds like an American country artist he really does and I think if you put him on a, a Spotify playlist alongside your Luke Combs and mm. and Luke Bryan or whatever you, you wouldn't know yeah you know you, you wouldn't know um so Matt's really exciting brilliant you've got 
You've got Vicky Manser, who you said before. Yeah. Um, really great stuff. Demi Mariner, Robbie Kavanagh, uh, both incredible. I mean, they're slightly more Americana for sure, but you know, the talent in those two is is unbelievable. Kevin Maguire is great. Poppy Fardell is great. Rosso, I don't know if you know though, no. uh, those girls, they're a they're a duo based in the Midlands now. Um, again, quite sort of quite Americana, but really unique, I think. Really unique. Um, great vocals and and really great sort of musicianship too. Like really, uh, Emily's a fantastic guitar player. Um, they're really good. And Emma Moore's got new stuff coming out. I really like her voice. Really powerful voice. I mean, there's loads. It's I, just I, so I many, aren't there? And sometimes it feels a bit overwhelming. You like, <laughs> I don't really know where to start with this because there's just so many of them. But it's mm. it's brilliant and and actually highlighted by the fact that we now do have the British Country Music Festival, which is all about yeah. British country music, which is which is wonderful. So um, it's a great festival too. I was so lucky to play at the first one. Yeah. And, um, it's incredible. I, I almost didn't know what to expect from it, you know, and I always find indoor festivals a bit odd. I was just mm. like, I don't know how this is going to work. It was perfect. It was such an amazing, right. amazing first first year, I think. And I, I can't wait for later this year. Uh, I hope it all goes to head, uh, goes yeah. ahead as planned. Absolutely. So what has been your best gig ever, whether it's on your own or with the band or as, as, a, as a musician for somebody else? You know what? Um, I've probably mentioned them already. So the Ryman show was just incredible for just the overwhelming nature of it all, really. And and the fact that it went well and there was a standing ovation at the Ryman. I mean, that Amazing. that's just nuts, you know. Amazing. Um, but then I I did, as we were just talking about the um the British Country Music Festival, I <laughs> I did a, a writer's round on the Saturday with a couple of artists, including Twinny and stuff, which was great fun. So then I, but then I was playing the following morning, um, Sunday morning in rainy Blackpool at, at like 11 o'clock, I think. It might even have been earlier, I think. But obviously everyone had had a big night out, um, probably dancing to like Matt Spracklin doing a DJ set more than likely. And uh, I was first up on, on, on the next day and this was with the father line. So this was kind of like my little side project thing that I did a couple of years ago. And um it was generally one of the most fun gigs I've ever played. It was, yeah. we, we weren't overly rehearsed just because we, we hadn't really been able to rehearse that much. And it was probably only a, like our second or third ever gig, I think, but something about it. And you're in that sort of magical sort of ballroom as well in Blackpool, something about it just really clicked and the sound was terrific. And somehow my voice came out. All right. <laughs> at 11 o'clock in the morning, which, uh, is always a welcome surprise, <laughs> um, but it was there was just something about that room as well. And it's funny how it, it sometimes comes down to rooms that you're in rather yeah. than other other factors. You know, you can always play better, you can always sing better, but sometimes yeah. there's just something very special about a space. And um, yeah, who'd have Love thought it. it? Blackpool. Yeah. <laughs> and what about your the funniest or your most embarrassing moment? Uh, oh gosh, my. The problem with me is, so I, I like to have a lot of fun on stage anyway. So if, if you put a microphone in front of me, it's quite dangerous, but I, I do love it. However, if things go wrong, I very rarely laugh about it. <laughs> I, I, I take that stuff far too seriously. However, no, there was one. We It was when I, when I was in the band. I wouldn't say, I don't think we gigged that much by this point, but we were supporting Ward Thomas mm. in, where were we? Northampton. and. Um, so it was a, it was a big deal because I think their their support had dropped out. So we were kind of like a last minute addition to the build. So we were really excited. Um, you know, we we loved War Thomas and what they were doing. Anyway, so we went out and we, we were just about to do bridges, I think, burning bridges. And it was our first time where we'd had like a lighting engineer doing the gig. In as much as I think I don't know whether he was the venue's uh, lighting engineer or whatever. Anyway, so we finished where it the came from. Song. Just a random guy pointing lights. At a, you. It was just a guy with a light yeah. switch. Yeah, and uh, the janitor. And um, so we just finished the previous song. Blah blah blah. Everyone cheers, and and the lights go down, which is ace. Yeah. You know, it's like oh, brilliant. Feels like a proper show. And um, I thought, raw, this would be perfect time to start burning bridges, which is where we all sort of gather around one mic and do it all intimately. 
obviously the lights were still down and I started playing the guitar just in completely the wrong key because I couldn't see what my hands were doing. <laughs> and I was hitting all sorts of chords. And But I, I did generally get the giggles then. So I was <laughs> losing my mind. The other three, I assume, were looking at me. I have no idea because the lights were down. <laughs> Why he didn't bring the lights up by the point of, what you know, I'd started the song. Lights were still off. Anyway, I, I went on, I did, you know, I did about eight bars of intro, all with varying chords that are not in the song <laughs> and um I, I just stopped i just i just i said something uh, over the microphone just to say you know it serves me right for for starting a song when you can't see what you're doing or whatever and um started again everything was fine but um yeah i, I decided to see the funny side of that which yeah. is nice but um well, you're only human aren't you and uh, just about yeah these things happen happen to everyone and i'm sure at some <laughs> point everyone every artist has forgotten their words or or what oh, have gosh, you. Yeah, all the time but um, um, do you know what i think that's why people love going to gigs because they yeah. want to see that stuff yeah you know yeah i, I could do that, that same personal thing. connection of course it is i yeah. could do that same thing every gig and people were like oh you never guess what happened tonight yeah. you know and they're like yeah. oh yeah they did that in exeter as well you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put <Yeah>. it in <laughs> yeah um and do you have a go-to country music road country road trip song well so when i was touring a lot um there was something about and it, it's not particularly country it's kind of rocky but it's it's definitely got that sort of deep south american vibe to it is um carry on my wayward son by kansas okay it's an absolute belter and actually because of that because it was our road song at the time we ended up doing a little cover of it like an acoustic cover which i loved it was probably the my favorite cover i've ever done um and we did that on the first time we went on bob harris's radio 2 show so we did a couple of originals and then we did this this cover of um Karen wayward son and uh yeah i'm just really glad that we managed <laughs> to get that on and bob was over the moon because he, he sort of I think he might have had Kansas on the old Grey Whistle Test or something back in the day, yeah. and uh, it was a nice reminisce for him. But um, yeah, probably that. We, blasting that out on the on the tour bus was always fun. Amazing. And what is what is coming up for you for twenty twenty one? All being well, you know, assuming that things will get lifted. And what are your plans? So yeah, I, I am I am going to be positive about it because I think we have to be. Yeah. Um, so I've got a couple of gigs in the books already, which is really exciting. So a couple of festivals, and I'm obviously hoping they're going to go ahead, and I'm sure they will. So I've got gigs, as I say, as I said earlier, actually, I've got my band lined up. So quite honestly, I just want to get into a rehearsal room with those guys. And, and, and this is you, together. not the father, like you and the father Yeah, this is, this is solo me. So right. I've put out two singles so far, Bite yeah. the Bullet and Good Life, which feels so good to have out now. I've got a, a new single coming out fairly soon which is quite an exciting one for me i can't give away too much but i'm really excited about it yeah it is isn't it uh so keep an eye out for that because i'm i'm proper excited and then i think i may do one more single and then probably work towards uh sort of an ep potentially i think it will be an ep as opposed to an album at this stage but i just spent all of the last year writing a lot and it was really nice to actually write with with myself in mind for once. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm doing stuff that I think suits my voice, uh, suits where I'm at musically. And and I'm writing songs that I think when put together, just just make for a really exciting live set. And I think that's really important. So yeah, uh, live shows and more single releases for sure. And music yeah. videos. I'm enjoying those as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I loved all your UK country collective stuff, which I wanted to talk about, but I'm very conscious of the time. I thought they were absolutely, absolutely awesome. But it sounds like life is life is pretty good. And, uh, you know, 2021's looking, looking rosy for you. So that's, that's great. Where can people find you or follow you if they want to access your music or, you know, get in touch with you? Sure thing. So, Tim Protty Jones, P-R-O-T-T-E-Y. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify and YouTube. Yeah. So if you just type my name in, I'm the only person in the world with that name. So uh that's Amazing. an absolute bonus. You can't miss me. 
Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Tim. It's been an absolute pleasure, as, as always, um, and look forward to coming to see you live at one of your live shows when we're all, all allowed out. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank it's been you. a pleasure. So we've got some post-production edits for this episode of Tales of Tennessee with Tim Protty-Jones and his recommendations um, for places to eat are Dino's Bar, which is on Gallatin Avenue in East Nashville, or Five Points Pizza. And that is both on East Nashville, um, Woodland Street or West Nashville, Charlotte Avenue. All of those places look absolutely amazing. I've looked at their Instagrams and all I can say is don't look if you're hungry. Um, I think from Tim's uh, interview, we can all take the fact that the Ryman and the Opry are absolute must-have places to, to visit on your list and also the Bluebird Cafe as well. You have been listening to the Tales of Tennessee podcast with me, Georgie T. You can keep up to date with the podcast by following us at talesoftennessee.podbean.com or by following all of our social media channels for the Tennessee Fields Festival. The handle is at TNFieldsFest on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. You can also follow me, Georgie T, on Instagram at the underscore accidental underscore everything. We'd love to hear from you. So don't forget, you can email us at talesoftennessee at yahoo.com. And as always, thanks go to Francis and Archie Ween for providing the jingles for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Sitting on the porch with Georgie T. Hearing tales of Tennessee.